default. I often think of defaulting when considering a loan, a bank loan, a car loan, some kind of loan where we're unable to pay or actually when simply payment is not made. And there are many reasons people don't follow through with their payments and eventually default on a loan. We default on many things in life. Sometimes I get asked, do you like writing sermons? And usually I say yes, but honestly there are times when I wish I didn't have to write a sermon, especially when I'm feeling ill or super tired or just plain uninspired. There are times in the life of every honest preacher when one wishes she or he could default on writing a sermon. When the pressure is on to come up with something interesting and inspiring week after week after week. The default zone is one I know a lot about. Because there have been times when I have defaulted on a relationship, a responsibility, or an opportunity. You all know the story from our passage in Matthew that Joe read for us about the three servants who were given talents. This is a very familiar story to those who are raised in the church. You know, the text tells us very little about the first two servants. There's more on the third. He's the fall guy. And it's easy to find fault with him. But before we get too critical, a little empathy seems to be in order. Let's think of the problem he was confronted with. A full talent, a lump sum. It was a lot of money. It was close to 10 years of wages. That's a lot of money. It's a whole bunch of money. Just take your salary, and put a zero behind it. That's a whole bunch of money. He got hard cash, and it wasn't tied to a bank account. It was just good old cash. And his first question was not how to invest it. It's how do I get it home? How do I get that much money home? Do I put it in a purse, a wallet? Do I hide it someplace so that nobody notices I'm carrying this much money. And so he goes home and he, he puts it on the kitchen table. And he just looks at it for a while. That's a lot of money. What am I going to do with all this money? Well, you know, I, could, I think I've, I've got to just wait till tomorrow. There's no rush. So I'm just going to hide it. So where do I hide it? In the sugar bowl, in the cookie jar? That's it. I'll put it in the cookie jar. And then he heads off to bed. That night, he got a lot of things. He got restless. He got worried. He got anxious. But the one thing he didn't get was sleep. And along about 2 o'clock in the morning, he hears a noise. What is that? What's that noise? In the very dark hours of the morning, he gets another idea. And some things we do in secret. We just do it in the dark. So he didn't turn on any lights. He goes out to the garage, and he gets a shovel. And he goes to the backyard, and he digs a hole big enough to put that cookie jar in, and he covers it over, and he plants a, 
a plant right on top of it just to make sure that nobody will notice. He's buried his money in the backyard. And, you know, it's funny. His neighbors wondered why he was spending so much time in the backyard over the next few months. The first two, we know what the first two did. They took the money that was entrusted to them, and they invested it, they worked it, and they grew it. And when the master returned, they gave it back to the master, having doubled it in each case. But here comes the third servant. He's walking back to the master, cookie jars rattling in his arms. He's proud. He didn't waste it. He didn't spend it on himself. He didn't play the lotto. He kept it all intact. I knew you to be a hard man, he said. I was afraid. I didn't lose a penny. So here, here you have what's yours. Only to hear the rebuke of the master, you should have at least invested it with the bankers. Friends, he was in the default zone. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people in our culture these days who, send, who tend to slide toward the default zone. People's lives, their potential, their God-given gifts are, in many cases, not being used. When people's spiritual and God-imaged gifts are not used, it's what some of you will remember as sins of omission. That's the default zone, sins of omission, when we don't follow through with something we should have. Relationships often end by default. People's relationships with the church, people's relationships with God, and people's relationship with others. They just, often we just drift away. Just drift away and default. The idea that God's actively nurturing us so that we might grow up to be like God brings us face to face with our own Propensity to default. The outer limits of faith push us beyond taking the easy way out. And so the master says to those who have will more be given. And from those who have not, even the little they have shall be taken away. Do we need that kind of a text in the world today? Last week, Michael challenged us with the comfort zone. Here we know we live in a world where the rich are getting richer and the poor seem to be getting poor. Do we really need a text like this? And then if you look at it deeper, the story even gets a little worse in terms of how we understand life today. So how much do each of the servants start with? Zero, right? They each start with zero. The first is given five talents, and he makes five more. So how much does he give back? Eight and a half, right? I mean, he should keep 15% commission. How much does he give back? He gives back ten, all ten. So what's in it for him? There's no profit. What's he get out of it? Experience. The second starts with what? Zero. He gets two and he makes two more. And so what's he give back? Three and a half, right? 
Keeps a half for profit? No. It seems like an un-American story. There's no profit for him. There's no profit line. So what does a second servant gain? Experience. The master says to the first two, you've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. You shall have abundance. Abundance of what? Experience. Enter into the joy of your master. You know what all this means for you, don't you? If you are faithful over a little work, what are you going to get? More work. More work. It's like, um, well, it's like being approached by somebody in the church, and they come up to you and they say that they want you to be in charge of setting up a new committee. I have a task I want you to do, they say. I want you to be the coordinator of a task force for impossible ministries. And you say, for what? I want you to be in charge of a task force for impossible ministries. And you say, that's impossible. And they say, that's why we thought of you. Not me. Not me. Well, you end up taking the job and you do pretty well with it. You work hard. You do a good job. You surprise yourself. Even the person who asked you is a bit surprised. And then three years later, you're approached. You did well with a little. You get a whole bunch more. There's no profit unless, of course, you like experience. Experience. The text is troubling. Where's the grace? You know, I I sometimes wish there had been a fourth servant. A fourth servant who had been given three talents. And that servant went out and worked with it and tried to do all kinds of things with it, just like the first two. Only that servant bombed and came back with zero. What would Jesus have had the master say to that fourth servant? Do you know the same Jesus I know? Constantly running into failures and setting people back up on their feet again. Do you know the Jesus who said to the woman at the well, go and sin no more? We know what Jesus would have had the master say to the fourth servant. But Jesus didn't have a fourth and neither can we. So where's the grace? The truth is, it permeates the whole story. It starts at the first line when the man goes out on a journey and he calls together three servants. Now, he doesn't call together his best, doesn't say he called his best servants. He just called three servants. And he didn't say, here's a little extra cash to play with. He didn't say that. He divided up his property, his substance, everything that he had. And he entrusted it all to them. Everything. Which means that everything of who he is and and what he has is utterly dependent on what they do with it. That's pretty amazing. What he is, we don't know till the end of the story. Who was really at risk in this story? The master. He entrusted 
so much into the care of these three others. Grace is utterly vulnerable to the behavior of another. Here's the grace. But the third servant didn't get it. He missed it. He got the risk, but not the grace. He got the vulnerability, but not the gift. If you get risk and vulnerability, but don't see the grace and gift, the only place you can go is to the backyard. The only place you can go is to the backyard in utter fear. And once the money was buried, he couldn't make a prudent decision. I'll make it tomorrow, but he just couldn't ever get there. It just stayed in the ground. There's nothing there in the backyard. There's no victory in the backyard, and there's no defeat in the backyard. There's no joy in the backyard, and there's no sorrow in the backyard. There's no grace in the backyard, and there's no judgment in the backyard. Nothing in the backyard except a hole in the ground and a whole bunch of money. Oh, and one thing more in that hole in the ground, the third servant. The hole became his grave, and his story is over. In such an incredible tragedy... He bumped up against the outer limits of faith, and he froze. He just froze in the default zone. The other two, they had risk and vulnerability and grace and gift. They were faithful over a little, and they were able to enter into the joy of their master. Joy is only beyond the default zone with all its risk and vulnerability, grace and gift. In our gospel lesson this morning, we see how the outer limits of faith push us beyond the default zone to a life of service, involvement, caring, and response ability. Having the ability to respond and respond and respond. And as the writer of Second Timothy urges from our second lesson, Jim read, I am reminded, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Friends, let's each push past our personal default zones, which are different for each of us. And let's also do it as a church as together with our Lord and Master we move toward the outer limits of faith and faithfulness. Amen.